0: LA Metro Magazine podcast is here to bring you the entertaining, informative, and inspiring stories of the people who live, work, and play in the greater Lewiston-Auburn, Maine area. I'm your host, Colby Michaud. In this episode, we continue our conversation with Lewiston Police Department's Joe Philippon. The detective and I jump around many topics, including community engagement, why he chooses to stay in Lewiston, and cultural division, what Joe coins the two Lewistons plus some dialogue on a diverse fleet of police vehicles and the correlation between hockey goaltending and mindfulness. We pick up the discussion on a question about out-of-state specialized training. This is LA Metro Magazine podcast, episode 14. Speaking of training, yes, you're involved with... Um, Strive, is that right? Joe, tell us what does Strive stand for?
1: <laughs> uh, strive, strategic, tactical, uh, resilient, Interdiction to counter violent extremism.
0: Yeah, it was that was the critical situational sort of like t- anti-terrorism type of s- yes, yeah, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I got it was a teaching. I was part of a program uh, through FEMA and i got connected with a, a law enforcement training company based out of richmond virginia and it was a really cool experience um one of the things that i know that people sometimes uh have issues with but getting out of getting out of the state getting away from here and being able to see other wherever it is and experience things differently matters. And for me, going down to Richmond, Virginia and being exposed to law enforcement officers from all four corners in the middle of the country, uh, this amount of perspective, Mm. stuff that you can learn from, is huge. Mm. Uh, it's absolutely huge. You know, we as a community should want to, uh, send anybody and everybody we have working, uh, for us to, to, have those opportunities to get out and engage with people outside of the bubble. Uh, you just never know what you're going to pick up, and in particular with this program, I got to see a different, a very proactive side of law enforcement—a side that was very much so driven um, by by using relying on community engagement in particular and and the strive program itself was really focused on community engagement. Uh, you know, going back to kinda of what we talked earlier, like cops can't be everywhere and, and we can't be everything and everyone to everyone. Um, you know, so part a lot of strive if we want to counter or stop the likelihood or prevent the likelihood of a violent extremist event happening in your community, but really when we're talking about this, I would just say that we're really talking about anything. It doesn't have to be violent extremism. It's about people working together, communicating, talking with each other, saying, "Hey, something isn't right." Hearing that, and then maybe sitting down with them or getting the people you need to, and being like, "Okay, how do we address this? How do we fix this?" Uh, so things don't escalate. You know, there's no, you know, one of the things about that program uh, that we we're teaching is like random acts of violence. Before they're not random. Before that, you know, somebody got angry and frustrated.
0: Yeah, the manifestation of the, the crime can, is, you know, appear random. But like you said, yeah. They There's get mad. There's so much before that that gets, is yeah. involved, That led to that. And if you you're you can intervene early, then you can prevent a lot. Oh, yes. I do. So a lot of that, it sounds like that training is um, just about being proactive.
1: It's about being proactive. It's about building partnerships, building bridges. Outreaching to communities that you're not outreaching to. Forming a relationship with people in the community that maybe you're not. Uh, establishing those things. Because, unfortunately, what happens is we're too reactionary, and those relationships start happening afterwards. Maybe in this case, when we're doing the investigation, and then going forward, when we start talking about rebuilding a community or fixing or addressing what already happened. Uh, but to be preventative uh you need to have those well in advance established before there was ever an issue yeah, and unfortunately if there is an issue it's those relationships and those bonds that are going to help you to recover from that to be resilient as an individual and as a community it's a great program cuz it really solidified the importance of of community relations, getting out there and doing community solving. Not me as a police lecturing you what you need to do to be safe, but me engaging with you and us talking about safety, talking about the issues in your neighborhood, also saying, well, what do you think we should be doing? What maybe works for you guys? You know, and if that works then that works. And if it doesn't work, then, you know, maybe uh, us taking the time to explain why we can or whatnot. It's that that education. It's those discussions that matter. And through that, you're going to have partnerships. You develop trust. And trust is crucial. And when people trust each other, they're going to talk to you. You know, one of the things that, you know, I've always seen is people say, oh, I had this bad feeling, you know, I've had this bad feeling, but yet There I went. I still went around that corner. And now, officer, here I am lying on the ground, bleeding. Uh, You know, well, when you have good relationships and stuff like that established, hopefully, you know, what happens is when people start getting that inclination that they maybe can't even really explain, but instead of just keeping it to themselves, uh, they speak up and they say something. And then maybe somebody else who may be more of a subject matter expert or has access to more information can now look into it. And hopefully, it is nothing. Uh, but if it is something, uh, you're absolutely right. Better get addressed it before as opposed to react to the to the afterwards of it. And, uh, you know, in terms of healing, that's where resiliency is going to be, is having those partnerships. You no know, community is going to move forward if you still remain divided. And, uh, you know, here speaking locally in Lewiston, I mean, we, we do have our issues here. There are still very much so two Lewistons in this community. You know, when you look back, uh, you know, in particular with COVID, and how it's affected uh, Lewiston, in particular, you know, back in in, the, in in June, June around June July, when we started seeing a significant number of cases here in Anne County, what we really also realized that more the, the majority of those cases were right here locally in Lewiston and affecting uh, our immigrant refugee population, mm-hmm. uh, and Yet, interestingly, there wasn't not a a lot. Even though we had a lot of community spread going on, it wasn't spreading to the larger community. So maybe in some ways it worked out for us during COVID nineteen. But you know, generally speaking, I don't think that is actually an ideal (laughs) thing to have happen here. And it just goes to show that you know, when I think about that, I think that
0: it kind of illustrates the sort of the division you're talking about. the two Lewistons.
1: The two Lewistons. Yeah. You know, if I wasn't doing uh, what I was doing, what I had the benefit of doing for community outreach the last seven years, would I have interacted with immigrant refugees within our community? Yeah, sure, of course, but not much. Uh, and if I was doing maybe something else, maybe hardly ever or at all, we gotta change that. We got to change that, you know, and, you know, 20 years later, here we are and we're still talking about this and people from the community, from those communities are still saying we're not being heard. You're not listening to us and you're not helping us. Um, you know, one of the saddest things that uh, one of the imams had said during a meeting that we had with the with the CDC and response was like, we feel like you guys abandoned us. You, you guys have left us alone, like forgotten us and uh to me that just that hurt to hear. I can't imagine what it must feel like to say that about your about your family, about about your your friends, about your neighbors. Um we got to do better. We have to do much better, you know, and and I hopefully hopefully there's progress there. You know, there's work going on through the City Spirit initiative and other programs uh happening locally, but you know, some point uh, that this, the people in this community that think that if we wait it out long enough that they're just going to go away, I mean that's it's not realistic. They're here and they're 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 friends with my with my oldest son and and they're here, and some of the best friends and best supporters that I've ever had in myself professionally and personally. So I think it's unfortunate, uh, but it but it is unfortunate but it is a reality. Mm-hmm. And in order for us to solve that or address those issues, we have to accept the fact that it is a reality. Yeah,
0: you've been, especially recently, you've been recognized in a few different ways for your uh, commitment and leadership to this community. Um, actually in LA Metro Magazine, <laughs> uh, the last issue, you were on the cover. Yeah, uh, Very cool. Um you had your portrait taken by the very talented Jose Leva, a longtime Lewiston-Auburn yes. photographer. And more recently, just um, a few weeks ago, or actually less than that now, just a couple weeks ago, you were recognized by Uplift LA as the awardee for the Emerging Leaders category for the 40 Under 40 no, uh, celebration. And so it's pretty clear that, and you're recently promoted to detective, it's pretty clear your your commitment to this community. So my question is, why, why do you choose to stay?
1: Well, first, before answering why I choose to stay, I, I think it's important. I have to point out the fact that the reason why I've been successful is because of the number of people that I've been able to meet with and work with in this community uh, who really have, uh, have 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 either supported me or I've been able to support. I'm never, you know, an idea is only going to be an idea, um, and a lot of stuff that I've been able to be part of would only remain ideas uh, if I wasn't able to find the right people who are just as driven, even in many ways more so driven than I am, to address these issues. Uh, so I've just been very lucky on uh, the last seven years in particular, to, to meet, to engage with, to network with some really good, kind hearted people who yeah, are so passionate, who care so much, who want to do so much for this community. And uh, so I, I, that's one reason why uh, you know, I attribute my success, is for sure, is, is the support that I've had. Um, and why I, cho- why I choose to live here, it's my hometown. You know, this is where I've been. All but a month of my life, I've been in Lewiston, Maine, and I think it's important that you know, while we live here, or while I work for the city, you know, that I, I that I remain living here in this community, uh, that I remain an advocate for this community. Community is not going to get better by all these by by sitting on the bench, you know. People, everybody needs to, to roll up the sleeves and get out there. You know, one of the things they did a long time ago at the, for the Chamber was a presentation on the perception of crime versus the reality of crime in Lewiston. Mm. And st- I stand by that message. You know, people perceive us for being a lot worse than what we really are. doesn't mean that we don't have issues, but it's not as bad as people like to make it out. We can deliver that message. I can deliver that message. You can deliver that message, you know. Missy Parker at Economic Development can deliver that message. Uh, We can do that. Um, But it needs to be everybody else. You know, when you look, if the community as a whole doesn't feel that way, then, then it's just not real, whether it is real or not. And if we want this community to succeed or be better, the whole community just has to buy into this. And I'll give you an example, you know, when I look at the the community educa- uh, community police academy that we do at the police department, it used to be called the Citizens Police Academy, you know, that program is all about sharing perspective, right, and, you know, bringing all these people and we talk about what it's like to be a cop and why we do what it is that we do. Well, part of that's also listening to them and letting them ask us questions, and we do all that, for so sure, but... What I always tell the classes, the one reason why this program is the most beneficial is that I can't talk to everybody, and I don't have the time, or I'm never going to be able to explain every little thing to everybody. You know, when I have a class of 25 people who are willing to commit 10 weeks, one day a week, coming in for two two hours, you know, to listen to us, I tell them what I'm really hoping to do is that you'll take the time. You're already, well, you already agreed to take the time because you're here to listen to hear what we're saying, and that when you go back out to wherever it is you work, your social circle, whatever it is outside of this classroom, you know, but you're at work tomorrow and something happens, whether it be locally, across the country, whatever it has you, and it's about law enforcement, and people are talking about unrealistically there, but what police can or can't do, or what they should have done or what they shouldn't, you know, that you could sit there and be like, well, actually, this is what I learned. This is why cops do this. Or this is how they approach it and why they approach it that way. And I said, you know, if I can get you guys to a point where you maybe feel comfortable when that moment presents itself, uh, that's a win. Because that's a way of having more community advocacy. And so in that little example, that's how I attribute how this community is going to succeed is by having more people have buy-in. Because individual elected officials uh police officers uh we can only go out there so much but until everybody's willing to tout that message or believe in that message and then tout it uh it's, we're always going to be handicapped by ourselves
0: so i want to switch gears a little bit yeah um find out what do you like to do for fun you know one of the things i i, I when you're not wearing uniform
1: when i'm not wearing a uniform yeah i know playing hockey really uh, yeah Nice. probably, you know, I'm able to play about one to two times a week and it's a great escape because while it, while, while you're playing you just, you have to focus I'm a goalie, uh, really. so you, you, you really need to focus on what you're doing and when you don't, you, you know, or everybody knows when you're not focused
0: <laughs> Yeah, the pucks seem to go by easier, right? <laughs> yes
1: um, No, so that's, that's always been a good escape for me I've always enjoyed it, it's just fun uh, I Where like- do you play? In Auburn, at Norway Oh, cool for the most part. And what I like about it is just you know, One one skate is really with people that I don't ever see outside of hockey. So it's just it's not about me being a cop. It's not about anything, it's just about this is this is the game, we gotta play yeah. and we're gonna we're gonna win, you know, and it's yeah. just very simple. So I enjoyed that cooking. Uh, another thing that when when you're doing it, you have to focus on, and if you don't, then, you know, everybody you're trying to feed uh, is going to notice, maybe be poisoned, who knows, <laughs> but uh, either way, I've always liked the, uh, cooking and playing hockey, and, uh, you know, this. I got a young one at home. Uh, Jackson, he's going to be four actually this coming weekend. And, uh, you know, it's just been a fun summer with him going out to the beaches and just exploring the woods and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I really, for me, I really look forward to Saturday because I'm just one of those, well, I'm a morning person now. So, you know, I'm up <laughs> ready to go, try and get the bed made by eight o'clock. And then yeah. I want to be out the door and on to the adventure. And we go, 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 go. Yeah. I don't do uh, sitting at home well.
0: With all this go, go, go that you have, I mean, with your job, and then it sounds like with your your little one, <laughs> sounds like you don't have a lot of time uh, downtime, but I think what kind of you pointed out with, with hockey, it's you mentioned that it takes a lot of focus. Yeah. Especially to be a goalie. That in itself, I believe, is a form of meditation. I agree with you. And so maybe that's one of the reasons you actually like it is because it's a way to sort of give your brain your mind to break from all of this stimulation that's constantly coming at you.
1: Yeah. I mean, knows me knows that I, I'm a, I'm a thinker. Yeah. I'm an assessor. I, I plan to have a plan to have a plan yeah. to have a plan. Um,
0: do you overthink, do you
1: overanalyze for sure? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I think that can be challenging when you, when you do that is, you know, especially doing, well, whether it be the job or just being an individual is, you know, at some point you have to be decisive, you know, uh, but yeah, I know I've always been, you know, a processor, um, and, and, and liking to think on things. Yeah, I'm sure. No, we just got done the experience of helping my uh, my oldest son buy a car, and I was showing him what I do to prepare for buying a car which i'm pretty sure was a lot more than what he was expecting.
0: <laughs>
1: but you know, you you know, if you don't do the legwork beforehand, you don't you're not prepared and if you're not prepared um, um, in terms of buying a car, you can really get something that you don't want or get a bad deal, but if you're not prepared generally speaking, i mean, you're probably going to be very disappointed with with the outcome of whatever it is that you're working for or working towards.
0: Yeah, i mean, that's why that's why we practice, right that's why we train and with practice comes confidence and so when you're when you're on the field or you're on the ice you're you know you're you feel like you're ready for any kind of situation that
1: yeah come no. At you. goaltending is great that's I think one thing about it is, you know and maybe you are onto something and that it's maybe that is my do my you meditate getaway. traditionally no, no, I don't think so. No. Not, I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> Not I mean, like you sit down and
0: intentionally take the, the twenty minutes, thirty yeah. minutes to do that. No. Yeah. No. So No. Well I think uh, you
1: learn things. You definitely do. As yeah. you and as you get old like so one thing that maybe would surprise a lot of people is uh, I've generally always or for the most part of my definitely when I was younger, I was very much an introvert and very shy. Yeah, me too.
0: You yeah. Yeah. And, and it was. I was always a kid in the class that never you know, when you like, you're reading a book, a textbook, and then everyone's taking turns yeah. and you were afraid that teacher was going to call on you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, you know, bad anxiety. <laughs> yeah. But uh, now, now I think, I mean, I don't want to cut you off, but no, for no. me it was, it was, uh, going, you know, at 20, 20 years old, starting a business and you kind of have to fake it and yes. get out there. You got to put yourself out You want to make a living. You got to force yourself to get, you know, step out. Of the comfort zone, fake it till you make it, and and then you do make it, yeah. And then it's not fake anymore. No, apparently, it's very. Or well, it's not. It's not pers. You know, I can't perceive whether it's fake anymore. But to me, I'm not. I don't feel. I think you adapt. You yeah, you change. No, I I agree. I
1: I had to do that. You know, I was a very, yes sir, no sir, uh, take you at your word. You know, and in particular, taking everybody at their word. It's not necessarily good trait to have as a police officer <laughs>
0: right no especially in your profession <laughs> right.
1: and when i realized early on there was this call where i well prior to this one call i had, i had interacted with this family and i thought i had a really good rapport and interaction with them you know everything was good and then something came up you know several months later where i had to go back there and follow up on them they could, the person wound up having a warrant for their arrest or one of the people that, so I'm like, oh, no, I'll go over there, they'll cool, I had this good, you know, they, I got this good rapport, it won't be an issue, go over there, and, you know, they were, they were lying and saying it wasn't there, and, of course, I was like, okay, well, they're not there, and, of course, this older senior guy that was with me goes, hey, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he steps in takes over, and, of course, the guy was there and, you know, hiding, and, you know, I mean, there's a lot of basic real you know, normal human but for me what i took out of that is like joe if you're going to be successful in this job you can't take everything at face value like you can't believe everybody Take you know they're going to say that fine but then you need to be able to prove that or they need to be able to prove that to you and if you're not willing to dig deeper in it you're going to be a horrible cop you're going to be a horrible investigator um which was not Easy for me to do, and I guess growing up around the theater with my parents, what I just really kind of started to learn is that it's just I need to role play. This may not be who I am right now, but I need to at least play this, play this role. And and I did that, and it was hard, and it was awkward, and it was intentional for a long time, kind of what you were talking about. Uh, But then you adapt. I mean, the idea of doing this. Even 10 years ago, probably, sitting down with you would still have been a very, "Eh, no way. Uh, Whereas, you know, when you asked me, there was no reservations or going to talk to a crowd or individuals that I didn't know and strike up a random conversation. No way would I have done that 20 years ago. Are you kidding me?
0: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, mean, obviously, I don't. Public speak, and I wouldn't say I'm particularly good public speaker, but if I had to do it today versus 15 years ago, um, I I couldn't even fathom it 15 years ago. Right now, I just like yeah, yeah, I'll be nervous. Yeah, but um, you know, I, I can do it.
1: Absolutely.
2: It's transparent, tasteless, odorless, and most essential for life. I'm talking about water, of course. Hi, I'm Nicole, Association Director of Health, Wellness and Fitness at the YMCA of Auburn-Lewiston here to talk about the importance of H2O. Our bodies depend on water to survive. Every cell, tissue and organ in your body needs to work properly to maintain temperature, remove waste and lubricate your joints. It's needed for overall good health. We all require different hydration levels. The amount of water that one should be drinking is dependent on their activity and overall health it is recommended that the average person drinks six to eight glasses each day. Other excellent forms of hydration can be found in certain fruits and vegetables. Good examples include berries, apples, cucumbers and tomatoes. Some caffeinated beverages can contribute to hydration but should be limited. Sports drinks are helpful if you're working out or planning long periods of intense physical exertion. To help you remember to hydrate, keep a bottle with you during the day. To keep down the cost, carry a reusable water bottle with you. If you find water too boring, try adding lemon or lime to your drink. In summary, remember to always hydrate before, during, and after a workout, whether home, outside, or here at the YMCA.
0: talked a lot about throughout this conversation about perception in different ways and maybe it's the whole fake it till you make it it's really just maybe we aren't actually who we we think we are, it's just how we perceive ourselves. And so if we look at ourselves in the mirror a little bit differently um, you can actually fundamentally influence your DNA Yeah, and you know, I think that probably just comes with time. Absolutely, you know, it comes with experience, life experience, and and every interaction, especially as a police officer. I mean, every interaction you have on the street, um, you learn something about yourself. For sure. Even if For you sure. don't know it in, in the moment.
1: Yeah, and but you know, it
0: all—it's all, it's all one of the things
1: that used to bug you know, digressing a little bit. But when I was younger. When I had first started working, you know, everybody, you know, growing up, especially locally, everybody remembers you. Oh, you played soccer, you played hockey, you went to St. Thomas, you know, whatever. But once when uh, you become a police officer, and all of a sudden, all that's erased, and that becomes the only thing
0: that you're identified with. Yeah, your identity changes.
1: Yeah. yeah. And uh, one of the things, and I you know, I was, I was. You know i remember back when i was 21 22 23 whatever just started on that you know you go out now and everybody wants to come up to you and talk to you about what it's like to be a cop right yeah. It's the most annoying conversation <laughs> you know because you don't want to do it all the time and you know and you know and i and i could have and i was definitely many times very dismissive about those questions and moved on or you know what escaped from that conversation uh but when i look back at, at that i always i always regret it and it's you know because what I wasn't realizing back then uh, that I understand now is that I may not have cared for the questions of what's the funniest thing you've ever seen, you know, all those things. Um, but in that, the underlying thing was, there's a general genuine curiosity about what it is that you do or what it is that police officers do and what do you experience and what they were essentially doing all of these individuals were they're giving me a microphone or an opportunity to, to educate them mm. Unfortunately, every single time they did that, or a lot too many times when they did that, I pushed the mic away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you look at to the issues that we're having today, you know that plays a role in it. When people don't understand, when you don't take the time to educate, when you don't take the time to have a, a conversation or explain things, um, it's a missed opportunity. And you know, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why we're at where we're at at right now, and I'm not saying that this would be a one-all-by-all, but the reality is that if we as law enforcement spent more time talking with people and explaining stuff, that would probably have mitigated a lot of tension and animosity uh, that we see today because it's just a lot of misunderstanding about what it is that we can and can't do. Uh, And so for me, you know, I look at it as I think it's important for us to step out of our comfort zones maybe or not be so shy because if you're not going to speak up and say something, uh, well, then nobody's going to hear you.
0: Yeah, and the interesting thing about the comfort zone is every time you take a step outside of it, it gets bigger. It does. <laughs> it does. So you can never escape that. You just <laughs> always keep pushing the, the envelope. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the ways you can, that's one of the ways that keep, that keeps us going. You know, Absolutely. that's why we keep striving for, for greatness. I mean, that's just inherent in every human. Definitely. But I think it's also interesting that you mentioned that you were an introvert before. Yeah. And, and now you're, you're eager to pick up the mic. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty profound change.
1: It is. Well, you know, you just realize that if, if you, and I think maybe this could be a part of the salesman and me or what, but like. I'm not going to see, I have my opinions on everything. I, you know, but, I'm not gonna, but if I want to be part of creating a change uh, locally or whatnot, it's not, I'm not going to be part of it if I'm not willing to speak up. And if I'm not willing to go out there and, and engage with somebody, especially somebody I don't know, and explain and talk about why it is. Because if I can't do that, then the reality is whatever it is that I care about is just going to remain with me. Or it's not it's not going to get out there. Uh, so if you really care about the community, the different the various needs, you have to you have to speak up and say something. Because um, there's not enough people that that are. And hopefully, you know, when there's more voices at the table, well, many more than mine, and even better voices than me for sure, are out there speaking. I think that. You know that's that starts that process of to, towards resiliency uh, that that we all need in our in our respective communities, but that we definitely need here. Uh, so, can't get in anything if you don't ask for it. <laughs> Maybe that's also why I'm not opposed to fundraising. <laughs> yeah. You still drive a you still drive a patrol car? No, now we uh, drive the old patrol cars that are painted all black. That's what we drive up back in CID Um, they're a lot more spacious. You don't have the cage in there. You don't have all the...
0: What do you mean the old cars? Are are they, like, real old? Yeah, so... uh, Like the Ford... Crown Vic. No, no. Oh, okay. Uh,
1: so our our, uh, our 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 patrol cars that you see the the marked ones they pretty much we do a three year life cycle okay. on them, uh, and then after they're rotated out after their third year, uh, they go back to being all painted black, take the stickers off, and those are usually the cars that we get out back in CID, uh, which is the criminal investigation. Division. Oh, okay. And that's what we drive. So I got one. Uh, and that's what we just bomb around in. But they take everything out with it. So you know, in our cars, you know, we don't have the the, the divider, and right. the bars, or um, you know, the shotguns. Or
0: you the, still have the uh, the holder for your your uh, computer, your laptop. No, uh, we you don't even have that. To. No,
1: I mean it's it is spacious. Nice. It is nice. It's
0: just like a regular charger? It's just like charger?
1: a regular car. Yeah. I will tell you, that's one thing. You know, when we first started driving the uh, the old Ford convicts, there's a lot of room in there, especially, like, we didn't have anything when I started, uh, and as time went on, the cars got smaller, and we just had more, and you, you almost, you feel like, you know, like I'm not, I don't think I'm too big of a guy. I hope I'm not. If not, I need to go back to gym. Uh, but, I mean, even me, I'm like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> it's tight in here. Oh,
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, yeah. Huh. So no, what's the um Wilson has a, a I don't know what the specific name you can tell me the it's like a looks like a giant tank on four wheels. <laughs> the M-RAP. Em, what does M-RAP stand for? Oh
1: boy, I think it's what oh. a rat no, M-RAP. I
0: think you're right. I think it's I think the that's it. MRAP. M-RAP. And I, is it EM? Yeah, cuz it be emergency. No no, no, no. I think it's, it's this a military
1: am- term. I just don't... Oh. I can't think... Uh, armored something vehicle. Is there an the MRA? Well, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know exactly, or it's not coming to mind what it stands for. Uh, but the difference between what we have now and what we used to have is that this one uh, it sits taller, uh, but it's not a tracked vehicle. Right. Uh, and uh, the first one that we have is tracked. And I oh. uh it's been great. I mean, you, you see it out. I mean, I you know, people, uh, so there are people who have concerns about law enforcement having it. But, I mean, I find ours to be more used as a jungle gym than anything. goes out to the movie nights or touching yep. trucks or birthdays and people really like it. And it's a very nice-looking vehicle with the paint job is, and all yeah. that. But I will say this. it's uh, it, it really does have a very practical uh, purpose for us. On two fronts. One is, is that we have a hazardous uh, res- a materials response team, a hazmat team. And um, so, one of the things that you can deal with, and I was a hazmat tech for a little while, is like while you're out, you know, dealing with, and a lot of stuff that we went out to for calls involved railroad cars having issues. Uh, so, you can be out there in wide open areas. And if something were to become volatile, explosive, uh, you have no cover. And your rubber suit is not going to do much for you. Uh, So the nice thing is this is it's a portable barricade, a portable shelter for us. uh, Because otherwise, I tell you, when you're wearing that thing, you're not sprinting. Or in your mind, you're sprinting. But physically, you're not going (laughs) as fast as you think you're going to be going. Uh, So it does provide protection. But also, locally, uh, there was an incident um, back, I think, around 1998. In town here on Webster Street, where there was a uh, shooting involving a domestic issue, and uh, we 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 had officers pinned down uh, and, and trapped because of this gunfire. And what we wound up having to do, the department back then had to do was they had to commandeer work vehicles from Public Works, uh, to, you know, like bulldozers or what you know, to, to provide cover so they could get up close to so they could extra, extract people. Um, which is not ideal. I mean, these vehicles, you know, they are pretty thick and they are bulletproof, but the the glass in them is still the glass, you know, and somebody still had to sit behind that and drive to get to them. And, you know, that's fortunately, um, you know... Well, that day somebody was killed, but many more people could have been injured. And what we had, we'd made the best of what we had for resources available. Or the police department back then made the best of the resources they had available to them through public works. Uh, but this vehicle is safety. And ultimately, hope you never in that situation again. Hopefully you never actually really have to use it beyond bringing it to a movie night to have kids climbing in and out. But right. I'll tell you what, if you ever find yourself pinned down, you're going to be very grateful and happy that we have that.
0: Yeah, the last time I saw that vehicle was actually right in this neighborhood. Oh, a really? little bit further, um, it was for Make a Wish. Yeah, and um, it was just it was last month. Boy from Sebattis named Liam. Mm-hmm. His wish was to have. Uh, he's really big into trucks and tractors, and his wish was to have a a place I built in his uh, backyard. And so Make a Wish did that, and they bought this, and they had to you know install it so what they did was they took liam away for the day went to visit his meme here in lewiston yeah and not just to they could have just given him the play set but no they organized an entire parade just for him and yeah. so they got uh construction uh dump trucks from different um, companies and businesses from around lewiston there were a, a few poll- police officers involved, and one was driving that M wrap. Very cool. And he got so excited when that came around the corner, lights, sirens going.
1: That's awesome.
0: And then after the parade ended, the uh, police officers came back with the vehicle, yep. and they gave him a tour of it, and he played with the, the siren and everything. He loved it. It was awesome. That's and, good. So, That's good. So, yeah, I mean, you talk about the practical piece, but that, that exposure is important too especially to young people. I
1: Made mean, his day. Yeah. That's not bad.
0: <laughs> right? No. Hey, maybe he may maybe he'll grow up and be, want to be a police officer because of it.
1: You you, notice, you never, you never know. know. You never know what experience are going to drive and absolutely it could be.
0: You ever talked to Steve Wallace from the YMCA? Yes. Yeah. He was on uh, on the on the show um, earlier this season and um, one thing that he really likes to reiterate when he's talking to people about uh, influencing positively influencing kids is that and he says it better than I do but you can positively affect the trajectory of a a child's life by spending just 20 minutes a day with them Yeah, you know and going back to the whole uh, working as a community to benefit everybody else and and to see less negative outcomes later in life that's so important and i think that i don't really know where i'm going with this but
1: <laughs> you know no, i mean I you know think, what i mean like you're right steve's right like you know there's there's so many there's unfortunately too many kids in this community uh that when they go home nobody's there gonna ask them how was your day right do you have homework did you do your homework right. you know and um you know, that well, you matters. talk about
0: you talk about the, the need for more and that's that's a great example. I mean there are so many kids like that don't have that and unfortunately there's not enough people to supplement. No. Um
1: No, I'll give you an example. Our rec department, three people or two and a half people. I think you know, for a community of our size, we should have yeah 25. Yeah. I mean, we we need more programming, not less. We need more recreational activities. We need more low barrier sports and activities. You know, that's one thing I, I, I think is very challenging. And Steve and, you know, Julia, tree street. I mean, mm. these people are doing great work with some of our most vulnerable populations, most at risk youth is providing them opportunity, providing them access to things that maybe they wouldn't normally have. Um, one of the things I've always struggled with is when you look at these kids, you you feel bad for them, you know, when they're younger, but then you get older, then all of a sudden you go from feeling bad to them to saying, wow, you're, 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 you're POS, you know, and. Well, they were still the same person <laughs> that they were 18 years ago, and we didn't do anything, so we can't necessarily be surprised at the end result or at their at their trajectory. And so, those early interventions, that type of support that that Steve's talking about, so big, and we don't embrace that enough. We need to embrace it. We need to embrace it so much more. You know, you know, recently, you know, at a school school board meeting, you know, it was talked about access even. Access into our gymnasiums, and I think that's something that I hope that the Lewis and School Department School Committee reassesses. Is like, mm. you know, here the community has paid extra money on all of our schools that we've had constructed to to, to get more amenities than than the state was going to cover. Um, so. Let's use them and open them up. Yeah. let's. We have a lot of gym space. We have all this rec space. A lot of it is closed and inaccessible and yeah. only able to be used until 2 o'clock in the afternoon, Monday through Friday. So this is not good enough. And if we're not going to open these things up, if we're not going to have field space for kids to use, if we're not going to have programming, if we're not going to have a pool, then can we really be upset with kids for really just being kids? Right.
0: Yeah, they need that outlet. And they're going to get it one way or the other.
1: They're going to get it one way or another. At least this way it may it may cost us money. May cost us money now, but it's going to cost us a lot less later. And while we're doing it now, they're in a structured environment. They're in a safe environment. They can be getting fed. They can be around positive role models like Steve, uh, who are getting with uh, people are checking in on them and, and and providing whatever support and assistance they need, or just just being there and giving them a comfort that they may not otherwise have. It's huge, and you can't put a you can't put a price tag on that. And really, again, going back to it, if we're talking about safety, this is this is part of community safety.
0: Yeah, and maybe one of the one of the reasons that we we like the the comparison of the the adult to the child before, that we don't, you know, our perception of that same person changes. Yeah, over time. Um, why don't we take the effort now? to make the, to make that shift in trajectory and it's probably because we we value a culture of we got to have it now yeah. we're so into that instant gratification but if we just step back and we look and 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 think about maybe it comes down to selfishness and and thinking this is a world that we are supposed to share Absolutely. And in a shared world is a better world. Absolutely. Do you know what the mission statement of here's a trivia question. (laughs) Uh Oh. Lewis and Police Department mission statement.
1: See this you're gonna have to edit out, I don't know. (laughs) Let me read it to you. Okay.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Philippon he knows the mission statement, but since you all don't, I will read it to you all. And then Joe's gonna comment on it. It is the mission of the Lewiston Police Department to create an atmosphere of partnership with the community toward the common goal of protecting life and property and enhancing the overall overall quality of life. So, a question for you, Joe, is how does, as a police officer, how does that look in practice, both on a daily basis, but also longer term?
1: For those who know me, I'm going to say that it means that we need to do more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's a high standard, and I'm not I'm not saying that we don't meet it, but I'm just saying that what 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 the, that community partnership and engagement components of our mission statement just to me screams that our need to just continuously to not stop to be proactive to be aggressive, if you will, or to always be willing to adapt and change uh, and, and and meet people where they're at and and be willing to explore new things that we never even thought of. Uh, that's the part of the mission that really grabs me. Uh, I hope that's part of the mission that people in the community have, have seen uh, that we are doing, or at the very least trying to do. You know, it's not easy, things don't happen as quickly as people want it to, but genuinely, uh, we are really absolutely trying to, to meet the needs of our community and do the things that we can. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of reasons why things just can't happen right away. Money, for sure. Um, sometimes it's even just laws and privacy laws. You know, it comes to working with service providers again in a way or what, whatever have you. But we are trying. We are trying. I can tell you that. But I always think there's room for us to do more. And please understand. And I hope people recognize that we generally want to partner and be out there with this community. And, and, and we do recognize that there is more for us to do we should never, never be complacent.
0: Well, thank you, Joe. We appreciate your uh, humble leadership. And the community does too.
1: Thank you, you're too kind.
0: My thanks to Joe for sharing his perspectives and ambitions with us, and for sitting with me far past the allotted time. A big shout out to the YMCA of Auburn-Lewiston for sponsoring this program. You can find out more about them at alymca.org. We have many more exciting guests ahead, so make sure you subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your other shows. That way you're not missing out on future episodes when they are released. We also want to thank you for listening. You, our audience, is the most important piece of this program, and we know that these recordings are just slices of a bigger ongoing conversation that we want you to be a part of. If you have any thoughts or ideas, please let us know on social media. LA Metro Magazine is on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Connect with us there. Positive vibes and well wishes from all of us at LA Metro Magazine. Until next time, I'm your host, Colby Michaud. Make sure you're being entertained, staying informed, and getting inspired.